Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. All right, so over this next hour, we'll be looking at the issue of the social relief of distress grants and in particular, the issue of criteria that is being used um, in order for people to qualify for this 350 rand, the changes that were implemented that resulted in quite a number of people being excluded, which is part of why you are seeing um, a reversal of some of those uh, regulations that have been recently gazetted, which will mean a big change um, for the grant recipients because it effectively means that more people will be able to qualify. Well, one organizations that one organization rather that has been looking closely at the issue of this criteria and working with members of the community, including other civil society organizations, is Amandla Dotmobi. We're joined by the executive director for Getzo Kogetso, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be chatting to you. You know, this grant, of course, has been really crucial for South Africans. And uh, I think, you know, we move from the point of whether or not it needed to be implemented. But once it was implemented, there was no question of the role that it played in improving the lives of so many South Africans. Talk to us more broadly around the work that you have been doing in the space before we get into um, the specifics of uh, some of the challenges raised by um, this change in criteria. So as we are aware, when the lockdown happened, um, which meant people were deprived of their livelihoods, the South African government did not put in place adequate compensating measures to assist those who had lost their livelihoods. And it took a lot of mobilization um, to point out the fact that people have lost livelihoods, the cost of living is going up, how would people survive? Eventually, about a month later or so, um, and after a lot of mobilization, certain social grants were topped up and the social relief of distress grant um, was introduced as well. While there were some problems from the inception, so for example, people who were receiving a child support grant were excluded from receiving, which disproportionately impacted women, right? The grant, the child support grant is meant for the child. Are we saying women who are child, who are caregivers should be excluded but nevertheless the grant went on we know that 350 is woefully inadequate particularly in this rising cost of living but we also know that it served as a lifeline for millions of people who lost their livelihoods during that period who had no livelihood before COVID and to help them survive what has been an ever rising cost of living since then. It it, 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 it it of course is quite remarkable how much of a difference this 350 rand has made in people's lives. And I think even the research done by the Department of Social Development shows exactly that. Let's talk about the issue of the criteria and when it initially changed and the understanding as to why it was changed. 
Um, yeah, so as mentioned, you know, uh, they have been, it was a lifeline for many. And over time, you know, it seemed when it was changed to enable caregivers to also receive it, um, it seemed we were on a correct path forward. However, earlier this year, we received from members of our community um, who were pointing out that who had been recipients initially and was suddenly being declined. Um, in some instances, it was for unfounded reasons. Um, things like, for example, um, the person is receiving UIF and some people would be like, I have never worked a day in my life. How is it possible um, that I am suddenly registered to UIF among many, many other reasons? And that's when the alarm bell went off. Um, shortly after that, in April 2022, new regulations um, were released that barred people from receiving if they had received more than 350 in their bank account. So just to give you a sense of the implications of this, here's one person, Ginele, um, who said to us, you know, I want to understand why government assumes that just because I am receiving money into my account, I am employed and do not qualify for 350. Sometimes we receive money from relatives, friends, or from doing our jobs here and there. And sometimes the money is not even ours, end quote. And this is such an important point to make, right? We know that the 350 is inadequate already. And so people will be doing other things to supplement it using the 350 itself or depending on relatives and others. But at the same time, we also recognize, and I mean, I am an example of this, I am employed, but I have a younger brother who isn't, right? And he has been hustling and sometimes he needs help. Sometimes I can help him, sometimes I can't. But occasionally there have been times when his account is in the negative and he asks me, can I ask whoever to deposit money into your account? so that you can send me an e-wallet, right? And so what that means is that people are being refused the 350 for really reasons that should have never happened in the first place. And again, um, since then, of course, there has been a look at increasing the threshold so that people who receive more than 350 are not limited. It makes no sense to have done that in the first place and harmed millions of people, right? I remember one member of our community reached out talking about how she had taken food on credit from her local spaza shop. And so when she was suddenly cut out, she could not pay the spaza shop and then could not even go for further credit for the coming month. And this is just one example of the huge implications um, of such a move. We're going to continue the conversation, Gogetso, in a moment. And thank you for sharing even um, just some of those experiences by those who've been uh, trying to access the grant and what they have gone through. Uh, we were hoping to be joined by an official of the Department of Social Development as well. Hopefully, uh, they'll still be coming online to be part of the program. 
Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point, and today we're looking at that a social relief of distress grant, the measure that was put in to really support millions of South Africans who were then affected by the impact of COVID-19. Of course, the research that, that has been done by various advocates shows that this money would have come in handy long time ago, so even before the COVID-19 pandemic. Amandla.mobi, one of the organizations that has really uh, been doing work in the space, the executive director, Kogetso Muyeti, is joining us for this conversation. Kogetso, I want to talk about what we saw happen in the first half of this year, because when that threshold was changed um, by the department's own figures, it meant that of the 11.4 million applicants that they would receive per month for this grant, only 5.2 million beneficiaries were approved. And, and this is less than 50% of the applications that they would have received. It, it's incredibly significant. Absolutely. And I just want to point out that it also happened at a time where a loaf of bread has risen to around 20 rand in a lot of areas, where a two liter of cooking oil has increased so much. We know that what you can buy this year versus what you could buy with the 350 in 2019 or 2020 has changed so drastically. But over and above it, Households do not survive and individuals do not survive on food alone. Mm. We're talking other basic needs like toiletries, hygiene products in general, right? Um, And so to have done the consequences were absolutely devastating that suddenly this lifeline for millions was just taken away. I've shared with you some of the um, consequences, right? Um, for some people. But I just want to tell you about someone named Sandra, who is a member of the Amandla.mobi community. So she is raising a disabled child and, of course, you know, receives various forms of grants and so on. But she has pointed out that the lifeline that the 350 offered in the context of a rising cost of living enabled her to continue to take her child to the clinic and enabled her to continue ensuring that her child received the health care that was needed. Mm-hmm. And when she stopped receiving it, for example, right, suddenly a trip to the clinic which was needed no longer became possible. And these are just a few one, again, out of many horror stories that I can tell you about the consequences of this. Now that we have a new gazette in place and um, the fact that the the threshold will be revised to uh, 625 rand, I believe it is. So um, if somebody has received money uh, to the value of 625 rand, um, nothing above it, they then will be able to qualify to access that grant. How soon are we expecting um, these measures to come into place? Um, So I do not want to mistakenly give incorrect times. I'm not sure if the regulations have been released or not, you know, but it was it was supposed to be coming. 
I just also do want to point out that from the we worked with our community from the inception of the grant, right? And over time, I remember when government was going to cut it, we went and called for it to be extended and increased. And of course, we also see it as a vehicle into a basic income grant because we cannot keep stuck on this 350, nor also can we afford to have you know, this increase in threshold while it will expand and make more opportunity for an increased number of people to receive it, we still also know that that is inadequate, right? A 624 plus 350 is still so little. Um, and so people still do need more to survive. And if the 350 enables people to hustle and get odd jobs through which they can supplement their ground, why should that continue to be a barrier? So while it is a welcome step, given that it expands it a little bit more, I think we've got to be thinking about the bigger picture. Even when one breaks down this 350 per day, right? Um, it is clear that it is not, it is woefully inadequate. So I do think that we do need to think beyond the immediate 350 and see it as a gateway. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cases that have been made about a basic income grant, right? And the ways in which it can be universalized to remove some barriers such as means testing and the other ways in which people are kept from accessing. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about that broader conversation of what happens beyond the grant, because we know that um, this, at least in, in its current form, it's expected to come to an end in March 2023. What lies beyond that, of course, we don't know. And perhaps it, it will be worthwhile to discuss and look at what some of the options might be. Many recipients of this grant, of course, have been complaining about the fact that Every single month, you know, they are um, they they have to go through the the process, the the means testing process, and they have to you know indicate if they require the grant. Um, that's about every three months, and that also looks like it's it's going to be changing. Absolutely, it's such a. I mean, you know, your circumstances don't change in a month, right? And even, we know the employment statistics, but let's just say, even if by some chance you are a recipient who finds employment, right? Um, employment that is not an odd job, but employment in general. Remember, you starting a job, you don't even immediately have cash to move to the job and so on, right? And so it, it's quite weird to think that people's circumstances in our context would change, you know, on a month-to-month -month basis. But over and above that, you know, there's been additional um, barriers that have also been created. So, for example, um, SASA has reduced the number of people at its call centers, right? Um, and so people as well who need help are unable to get through. USSD, um, USSD is like those short codes, um, like star whatever number hash, you know, um, that was one of the primary ways in which people applied that was cut too. And so again, thinking about the means around application and what is accessibility. And again, there's been so much learning from when those things were in place, right, um, about how do we ensure that, you know, the ability to apply, just apply, um, is a little bit more widespread as well. 
We'll continue the conversation with Gogezo in a moment. Of course, I'll also uh, take your calls and contributions to this conversation. 011-714-2006. And even talk about some of the gaps that you continue to identify in as far as the application processes for accessing this grant are concerned. On the WhatsApp line, you can reach us on 0614-104-107. It's now 10.30, time for your latest news headlines. Call us on 011-714-2006. We're talking about the social relief of distress grant, some of the challenges um, that have been experienced when it comes to accessing that grant. And we know that this is something that affects millions of people in this country who are in desperate need of access to that money. Kogetso Mwedi, Executive Director at Amandla.mobi, joining us uh, for the conversation. We were also expecting to be joined by a representative of the Department of Social Development, but uh, unfortunately that has not happened. Kogetso, uh, you know, I've got a message here and it says, Morning, Kathy. UNISA full-time students doing 10 modules are excluded because they receive 290 rand a month from NASFAS and nothing more like other university students. And that really speaks to a concern that has been raised by university students who are excluded from qualifying from this money because they are said to be benefiting from other, you know, state interventions. Absolutely. And the amounts with regard to the other state interventions, right? We are talking about amounts that are, again, inadequate for a person to survive. And we should be thinking about ways to supplement it. Earlier this year, we did a survey um, just trying to assess what are the biggest challenges people are facing when it comes to accessing the grants, right? So that we could collate this information and, you know, just raise some of these issues, these challenges being faced with SASA. And what you've just mentioned is one example of it. Despite the fact that caregivers were included in the grant, we received quite a number of people who said their applications Um, were rejected, you know, and it feels like the only other source of income is on the basis that they are receiving a child support care grant. Issues around UIF, like the issues are so many. And this is why we should definitely be rethinking, you know, the criteria that is used and thinking forward about a basic income grant, because there are just too many people who are falling through the cracks of the current system. Mm -hmm. But again, I reinforce, there are some, um, even in government, you know, who argue that given the the problems that have been faced with the distribution of this grant, therefore we are not ready for a basic income grant. This is false, because again, we have learnings from previous grant distributions, um, child support grant and so on. And even with the SRD, when it worked effectively, right? that there are ways and when there is political will and a desire to actually move on it, this is something that is not impossible to do. Mm. Is it coming from what we are often told is a limited pool of resources? 
So when these additional, the additional criteria as part of the means test is put together, in many ways, it is also based on the fact that there's only so much money available to give towards these programs. So this question of affordability, you know, um, it comes up quite a bit. Um, can we afford to do it? I'd be quite interested in us reframing it into can we afford not to do it, right? And look at the consequence of not having any lifeline um, for people to survive on. And of course, this is it has devastating consequences, as I've mentioned previously. But over and above that, right, we also do have... Um, you know, it's very interesting when money is looted from the state or redirected, whether by private interests or otherwise, right? The question of can we afford it never comes up. And again, we also do have a lot of organizations, there's a lot of institutions that do research around the ways additional revenue can be raised. And one of these, which in South Africa, a country of such deep inequalities, we could be talking about things like a wealth tax, right? A wealth tax on the richest 354,000 individuals could raise at least 143 billion, right? That's just one example about taxes and the fact that wealthy people, you know, are not adequately taxed, um, that there is a way that there's been um, proposals around what a, a progressive wealth tax that would apply to South Africans with the net wealth, currently over 3.6 million, right, could look like. So the point I'm just making is that the affordability question um, shouldn't be as centered, given that there is a wealth of knowledge and, yeah, about potential ways to raise the required revenue. Mm -hmm. Again, what we are seeing here is an absence of political will to do that. All right. I want to take Chili in Benoni, who wants to contribute to this conversation. Chili, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm right. Kathy, I'm concerned about how the government is tackling this issue of social grant, mm. uh, assisting people. You know, I'm uh, involved with uh, one lady. She's from the villages in the Eastern Cape. Uh, she got this uh, money before. Now they have rejected her. And one of the things, she came across one thing called Umkanelo, all right? Now, they were buying these products, but the people who was with, they are working. Now, they will deposit money into her account, all right? Mm. Their account is almost zero, so that she can go and stock the products, all right? Now, they will deposit a thousand. Tomorrow morning, she wake up, take, take out a whole thousand, buy. It's not her money. It goes in and out, all right? She doesn't have money. So, so basically, when you look at this, do you think now that thousand, that 500 they are putting in, it's not hers. It, and they can see it goes out immediately, it comes in. All right. But now she's rejected based on that. Right. And uh, the, 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 she's a hustler. Now, are they saying people should stop hustling? Because that's the message they are sending now. People mm. should stop hustling. They should wait for this 350 if they need it. And, and Chile, what then do you think will be the answer, especially to to those who find themselves in a position like this lady that you are telling us about, 
because um, I remember the department, when they speak about this issue specifically, they say that they want to reach those who are the most vulnerable, as in don't even have access to that 1,000 rand to buy products to find a way of, of, of surviving. So if you were to reimagine what it would need to look like, how would you say it must be changed? <laughs> All right. Do you understand the thousand I'm talking about? It's just like I I I, I, I understand you completely. It's not even you. Has. I, yeah, I understand it, you completely. So so it, I'm saying that yes. from a formal perspective, right? Every yes. every individual that is applying may not have the opportunity of coming forward and saying that this is my story, because we're talking about yes. millions of people. So how else can the 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 the, the process? be changed. Oh, yes. they, they should review the whole process of a means test. Mm. It doesn't work in that way. They should just review it. Mm. Otherwise, they are saying people shouldn't hassle. Right? Mm. The government has money. Let it use money for these people, everyone. Actually, it would have been beautiful when it gives everyone and they start hustling more. We've had stories of people using this 350 in a profitable way. All right? Let them encourage more people. Give them and encourage them to do more. All right. There are people... Who would even want to go to this in Galero because there's a training fee, all right? They have to ask. Actually, most of the women, it's making them to be vulnerable. Even if they want to join, now they have to ask a man mm. to give them that money to join. Is it, let them review the whole process of a means test. All right, Chile. All right. Let's yeah, leave it yeah. there. Chile out right. in Benoni. I'm going to take a quick break. I'm back with more of your calls and your WhatsApp voice notes. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. All right, we continue with our conversation this morning. Let me take uh, JC Kawunda in Messina before I also play some of um, the WhatsApp voice notes that you're sending through to us this hour. JC, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sis Kati. Are you well? I'm well, thank you. Sis Kati, I'm not surprised if the Department of Social Development didn't come in there. I'm not surprised. You understand? Mm. They know they don't have life today to tell you. Sister, I would like you to take it from the author's mouth. Ne? The Department of Social Development is full of manyofo nyofo and useless. I'm telling you, Sister, I applied in April. Eh? April, it was pending. Then comes May, it was pending. June, it was pending. Then uh, in June, I was paid the, the money for April. Then... Uh, in the, in the middle, or, or the, at, at, at the July month, May, it was still pending. I mean, on their status, it's still pending. They know what it, 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 it is saying when it say pending. Because from pending, they give you a date. So in July, it May, May, and May 350 was pending. In June, it was still pending. It was in July. Then in the very July, then they, they changed the status. It was declined. Are you with me, Mrs. Cathy? It am. was declined. And then when I check, well, why was it declined? They said they've seen a source or like Kumana Chalete mm. somewhere. Mrs. Cathy, I've got kids. Someone is working there in Jobe. At times I said, hey, one like I don't have a DCD. See, deposit money to me. You mm. understand? Because I'm not working. And what they're not telling us when they check the threshold is. Most of their people, officials of SASA, or you can call them whatever, those people are benefiting from 350, and they don't tell us 
or what is the status? Because there were some people there who were benefiting from that. Or what is happening to them? Mm. But they can get into my account and see what is happening. But failing to inspect their own thing. Yeah. So, what I'm, what I want to say more about this 350. There is people who are benefiting from that 350. People who are working at the, the large, more retail shops, more mass security. Those people are earning 350 while I'm not earning 350. Those people are earning 350 because they are not registered, which means government is on autopilot. The Department of Labor and everything is not doing anything. Those people are working. I'm not getting that 350. Where are we, where are we going? And lastly, what I wanted to say, Sister, uh, if I had my way, if I had my way, I'll fire from Minister Zulu, direct Hayaye, and I end up with the spokesperson, Palesa Elisati, because he's coming there telling us lies now and again. Those people are full of lies. They even told the, the president that Richard uh, you naming in May. They didn't say us. Right. Up to now, mm-hmm. it's declined. So we are full. And, 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 and if I talk about those people of SARS or DSD, I bleed blood from my eyes, says mm-hmm. Kathy. That right. department is useless. That's why we think of bringing the whites to do better things than blacks. It is right, best up there. Because if it was white, we could have got our money. Oh, JC, I can hear just how frustrated uh, you are and, and the position that, that you actually find yourself in. And, and you know, I think just on the point of, of the employees, right, of, of SASA and other government entities who benefited from this grant, it, it's a question of where was the means test that was done in those instances? Why was it not picked up? If it can be picked up for the millions of South Africans who are applying, why was it not picked up for those individuals? Or did they override the system? Did they have access to the back end of the system where they were effectively able to pay themselves? Let me take some voice notes that are coming through on this uh, conversation. Gokets, I'll also give you a chance to come in now before we take a couple of more calls. Good morning, Sis Katie. And uh, this social relief grant, Sis Katie, my sister, she was she applied since last year. Last year she was told about UIF registered. By this time, June or yeah, June and July, yes, June, it says she's got another alternative. So I don't understand why. You, now you can't even give your sister money on her account or under her name because they gotta see she's getting something. What is the use of this uh, relief grant? Because they're supposed, they're supposed to check if the person is employed or not. I think that, that's what they're supposed to do. But it's just say there's alternative income. What is this alternative income? They're supposed to check most. They just. Uh, good morning, Katie. I think there's generally something wrong with SASA systems. Every time when I apply for my parada, he's rejected for various reasons alternative income or rp5 registered but i do the appeals and all of them are successful and he's being paid the problem with that is that these payments come after months or even after a year because of the delay there in the reconsideration outcomes so there's something wrong in the first place 
with the systems themselves. Sis Kepi, this social relief grant is failing us, I must be honest. Because, for example, if I don't have a phone, then somebody has a phone, that person cannot apply for me, cannot apply with his number for me. Why can't he apply with his number and then he use my details with my ID? Then they're supposed to check with my ID, not with the number. Now they're checking with the number. They say the number does not belong to me. It belongs to somebody else. So they, they just disqualify you because the number does not belong to you. What is, the, what is that? They're just failing us, this kid. All right, and that's just part of what uh, you're saying in in those voice notes that you're sending through to the show. Okay, so let me give you a chance then um, to come in and reflect on on what the listeners are sharing with us. Yeah, um, I think this is this is a big reason why we support a universal basic income grant. Right? I remember a couple of years ago, the Socioeconomic Rights Institute did an analysis around free basic services in municipalities and the ways in which indigent households could apply for them. It found that by attempting to target the poorest and adding tests that required things like means testing, that required a whole range of documents, it actually meant that people are being targeted for exclusion, right? And so we really, really need to think about um, the universe, the universally, you know, the universal stuff to ensure that those who should receive are receiving, right? And especially given that there are other ways to claw back from others who would be also getting it, whether via taxes or otherwise. But right now, it serves no one to say that, you know, in the report, there were 30,000 people who were government employees who were found to have received it. And now we want to punish the majority of the population that needs it to keep people like the 30,000 out. And even with those 30,000, I want us to be really, really careful. And remember that the UIF system has been broken for a very long time, right? So you have someone who was, for all intents and purposes, a government employee. We're not talking about someone senior. We're talking about somebody at a local municipality who is perhaps part of the EPWP program or CPW, you know, one of those temporary programs that have run out, right? This individual is currently now unemployed, has never received their UIF, mm. you know? Are we saying that they should go hungry? No. And so for me, the best work we can do is ensuring expanded access right. so that whether we have somebody who is hustling, right? Okay. Um, and so, um, uh, so, sorry to do this. I'm just going to pause you there. We've got a break coming up, but I'll give you a chance to finish after this. We're leading the conversation on the talking point. Kogetze, let me come back to you uh, before I take more of our callers. Sorry to have cut you off there. No problem. Yeah, I do think the question is really about what kind of society do we want to live in, right? A society where on one end you have a small minority that is living well and extremely well, you know, while the majority of the population starves. And this requires political will. We have seen it after the ANC policy conference and over the years, you know, the universal basic income grant conversation has come up repeatedly and repeatedly. There is no longer any time to waste. This cannot be a discussion 
that is coming at the expense of people. What we need now is action, a government that is committed to the, to the well-being of its people, the majority of whom are actually poor. Mm. Thanks for that contribution, Gogetso. And what you're saying is really important. You know, the fact that this is is something that needs to go beyond being a conversation because there's no question about whether or not South Africans need it. Let me go to Amon in Springs. Good morning. Yes, No, I thought maybe they must screen people based on their employment status than what they are saying that if you are you've got maybe someone put money on your account and therefore you disqualify you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my story's kid, I've got my younger brother stays in Rustenberg and then he was building his two room in spring. So normally he used to send me eight hundred thousand to buy those cement and sent. All of a sudden they disqualify me. And then I lost my job in twenty twenty due to this COVID and then they see they won't give me this three fifty because I according to my, my account I've got the income, something like that. Mm. And I'm not working at all. There is no single cent that I'm getting. So I thought maybe they must change how they screen people out. Mm. Have you been able to access um, or, or qualify for that grant since then, um, Emma? Not at all. Firstly, they said, I'm getting UIF. And then I was not getting UIF. They said, I'm, I'm getting UIF. And then all of a sudden, they changed. They, 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 they said, no, 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 it's not UIF. You are getting money uh, every month in your account. Mm, yeah, that's a uh, part of so I don't know they've got, because real MC is failing us. We'll keep vote, voting them, but they're failing us real, real, real. All right, Damon. Let's leave it there. Thank you Thanks very much. I'll keep level. Wiseman in Durban, good morning. Morning, Cathy. Uh, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Wiseman. Okay. Uh, look, Cathy, I'm so much angry with this department of, of SASA. I believe there's so much corruption there. If not corruption, then somebody who uh, they are not doing what they are supposed to be doing there, you know. Uh, um, I, I've been told that um, I've got an alternative income, yet uh, I last received money in my bank account in, in March this year, you know. Mm-hmm. That money was 250 rand from SASA. All of a sudden now, I've got an alternative income. What is that income? You know, uh, they don't tell me. Secondly, uh, 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 if you do not have data, you cannot access this uh, uh, website, mm. you know. So, so, so it, it, it's very frustrating. Uh, yesterday I was listening. Uh, Wiseman, um, um, is it not zero rated? No, 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 no. You, you, you must have uh, data. Yeah, in order to yes, yes. So it's very frustrating. And then they 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 would come on air and tell us that now this thing is we've now changed it from three fifty to six fifty. What about us who have never received anything, who don't receive anything? You know. Yet they tell us that that you are you are being rejected because you are receiving an alternative income. Exactly. And then they don't, and they then they don't tell you where does that money come from, mm. you know. So I believe that uh, there's so much corruption in this department. Or if it, if, if it's not corruption, then somebody is not doing their job. All right, Wiseman, let's leave it there. Debrecen Bloom, good morning. Everything, ma'am. I was going to um. I don't know, but I, I think what I'm about to say uh, regarding this whole uh, crime thing, 
I've, I've known a lot of people, unfortunately, that receive this type of grant that is uh, apparently meant for people who need it. But those are the people who work that is confirmed that they do have a job. But they receive the grant, and yet when I'm listening now to a whole lot of people that are calling that are not actually being qualified or they are denied access to the grant and they are not working. Mm. So I think. So, so Deborah, still... people who work where? Uh, this is some of the people that do uh, receive this kind of grant, they work in restaurants and they do receive income mm. on a monthly basis. And these are the people that we can point out and say these people are earning far more than 629 or whatever the amount. That was even before it was amended. You know, so I think that the level of corruption that we have and how things are being done, it's, it's devi- deviating or it's, it's actually, you know, taking off uh, why why the, the whole thing was... was um, created or it's, it's given to people. But then again, the, the problem that I have, or if we may look at it um, in another way, Kathy, I don't know. A lot of people might be angry at me about this, but I couldn't help it. But just think how the government is going about uh, this whole current thing that is given to people. And if you look at the state of the country now that the country is in, and then you just mentioned that um, 5.2 million people, uh, somehow, if I heard you correctly, that received the grant. And if, Auskathy, you look at that number and you actually <clears throat> wonder or ask yourself if the government is willing to help the people of this country, mm. or is it actually trying to make them to be dependent on them so that people are just, at the end of the day, people uh, uh, don't have to do anything because the government has its own mandate that it wants to achieve. Mm. So now, Siskezi... Yes, ma'am. If, we're if you we're look out at of that... time. I'm, I'm going to have to leave it there with you for this morning. Apologies. Uh, out in bloom. Koketo, uh, I've literally got just about 30 seconds for you to uh, conclude for us. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're going to be doing in this space. This is without a doubt um, the biggest issue of our time right now. You know, the horror that South Africa faces if we do not fix this is unthinkable. And so I just encourage everybody to do what they can, support organizations that are focusing this work, because people, we do need a basic income grant in our lifetime, and the sooner the better. All right. Thank you for your time today. Kogezo Mwedi, Executive Director at Amandla.mobi. It's just after 11 o'clock and Musa is standing by with your latest news.